welcome back guys to another episode of the full split sports show thank you guys so much for being here thank you guys for tuning in um merry christmas eve to everyone and happy holidays i hope you guys um i don't know if you guys will end up being able to listen to this because it's you know everyone's gonna be with their family and everything but hopefully you guys do um but yeah so hopefully you guys are doing well um what's i gonna say Oh, yeah, if you guys could leave a rating review of the show wherever you get your podcast, that would be much appreciated, as well as just kind of sharing it around and, you know, kind of getting it out there. Uh, just kind of lets me know if you guys enjoy it and just kind of helps distribute the show. So, um, yeah, that would help out a lot. And um, another thing I wanted to touch on was big shout out to Fanbase Radio. They had me on last night for their show. Uh, it was a very fun time, like always. I think that was my second time now, so that was very, very fun. I'll have to get back in touch with them and see if they can get on, come on to this show. So uh, have them on for a football talk as we kind of head into the playoffs here and kind of wind down that uh, regular season. And, um, you know, still with a very tight AFC and NFC right now. So the race is still pretty, pretty close. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things I would just wanted to quickly touch on was the biggest thing with this season compared to other seasons is like how close it is because I think the example I used last night was what the Patriots season you know they're nine and five right now I think any other season you'd be like oh well you know they're they're pretty much screwed but this season it's like they're nine and five but they're still sitting very very close and you know they're only a game away from that top spot with the Chiefs taking it so you know all it takes is for them the Chiefs to lose against the Steelers in New England to beat the bills and next thing you know they're up on top again so uh and then they could go back up two games on the bills so you know there's a lot riding on this one as well um but yeah anyway let's get into today's episode this will be really fun uh christmas eve special and um yeah also we're gonna have an over under for week 16 of the nfl season we are on 16 right let me just double check i'm pretty sure we're on week 16 um, I am fairly certain that we're on week 16. Yeah. Okay. So wait, is it? Hold on. All right. Okay. Bear with me for a minute. I, for whatever reason, I kind of lost track of that. Um, wait. Is this week 16? Yes, it is week 16. Okay. Yeah, week 16 um, of the NFL season. Okay. Yeah, now let's get into it. Should be very fun. And uh, yeah. So first, first thing we have here is with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, as you guys know, they clinched a playoff spot with the 49ers lost last night. So, yes, they needed to um the Cowboys needed them to lose to get that spot and they did and uh, but you know it's not going to come easy for them as they've also been struggling as of late I did talk, also talk about this on um fan bases episode last night I, I will actually post them in the description box um when I go to edit this but yeah so they're they're facing some problems Dak Prescott really hasn't looked eh, he he's oh I mean Let's look at his last game here. I mean, I just to kind of get some 
background on his uh, season to this point. I mean, I think the Cowboys and a lot of other teams or a couple of the other teams that you could probably touch on and say, make the case for that, you know, they started out hot like the Browns and then they kind of just started to fizzle out second half of the season. You know, teams kind of started to figure them out. Teams started to play them differently. Uh, Trevon Diggs, though, is still very, very good. You know, I'm not doubting him at all. I think he's been a solid player on that defense. He's been someone that, you know, he's like that, you know, when you go to watch the film, he's that guy that you're going to be looking at, you know, to try and slow him down, try to keep him away from a potential pick. And, you know, obviously he's caused a lot of game-winning picks, you know, for that defense. And, you know, big big kudos to him for being able to do that for the team. And, uh, but, you know, one guy isn't going to win you a game, especially on – I mean, he could win you on defense. Like I said, he's won them. He's helped them close out games and all that other stuff. But, you know, I'm saying, like, as a whole, one guy is going to do it for you out of 53 men. So, um, but, yeah, so let's look at his last, I guess, couple games here. So, I mean, I guess currently he's sitting at 3,598 pass yards with 25 to 10 intercept touchdown interception ratio. I mean, he's not doing awful. I know he is taking a lot of sacks. This season, he has 25 sacks he's taken. Let's see here. Can I find a game-by-game? Game? I want to find a game-by-game game stat. Just to kind of get an idea of kind of like what it's been like for him. Let's see here. Yeah, ESPN is usually a really good, uh, really good site to go to here. I just want to get a feel for, like, you know, where they're – possibly looking this season I mean they just yeah so I guess let's look at his most recent game it was against the Giants they went 21 to 6 he was 28 of 37 on passing 217 yards on a eh, we'll see we'll go 76 completion percentage eh. he and he had one touchdown to one to zero picks uh three sacks that game I mean, he is getting – I just – I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like the defense or the offense just kind of, you know, stalling out, just kind of like I, – I guess maybe, in, you know, maybe even penalties too could be hurting them quite a bit uh, to where, you know, drives are stalling out. I know that's the Patriots' problem too. Uh, every once in a while they'll have that issue. But, yeah, I mean, it's also just I think Dak is just, you know, he's just – not getting the, the, you know, the real big plays that we're used to seeing. I really don't know what it is. I mean, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, it's almost like they completely, I mean, in my eyes, it's almost like they completely just switched, like, formulas. Like, they kind of were going to what was working first half of the season. Come second half of the season, they're kind of, like, stalling out. Like, it's almost like they changed it. Teams kind of figured them out. Um But, yeah, they're not looking as, I guess, if you were to face them in the playoffs, I'm not going to say – that they're an immediate, like, they're a walk-in win against them, but I would say that it's, like, they're not as scary as they used to look, I guess is what you'd say. Like, teams kind of have them figured out is basically what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, teams are kind of there, and they're starting to figure them out. But, yeah, going back to the original point here with the Cowboys is um, specifically Amari Cooper. He kind of – you know, he's kind of showing that he's frustrated with the offense, the way that they've been struggling, not doing what they normally would do. 
um, as far as scoring wise and all that. And he's also just frustrated to see, you know, not seeing any more targets. And I got to say, this is kind of turning into one of those Antonio Brown situations to where he didn't really, you know, that's like one of the reasons why he kind of wanted to leave the team. It was kind of like, you know, targets were becoming a, a thing, you know, where he wasn't really getting them. And then that whole Big Ben and Antonio Brown thing came out to where there was a rift. And then that's kind of what caused the se- separation. Of course, they're going to take Big Ben's side over Antonio Brown because of everything they saw Brown doing. So they kind of just, you know, said, okay, well, you're gone. And, um, yeah, I kind of, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but, you know, it's kind of like the same thing with the whole target situation, you know, I've been seeing more targets. And it's just kind of what that reminded me of a little bit. But, yeah, so, again, getting back to the original point, the Cowboys are in the playoffs, but they're also having offensive struggles. That is something that they need to fix. That's something that they need to improve. You know, their drives are just stalling out so much. And, you know, it's just not they're, – they're just not getting the first downs that they need when they need them. Maybe you could also make the case that Prescott could be missing some of his throws. You know, there, there could be a lot of different things when it comes to this stuff. But So when you look at this Cowboys team, they're compiling seven, 75 total points in the past three weeks, and they're only allowing opponents to keep games closer than they should be. You know, their defense is kind of – is what's kind of been, I guess, probably the good part to this. I would say it's the whole year it's really kind of been their defense over their offense. Uh, I know it's been their offense at times, but, you know, I think it's mainly just their defense. You know, and then, of course, they're settling for field goals too much instead of generating the six because, of course, they're not getting the first downs. You know, it kind of just leads to a stall-out drive, maybe penalties even too. But, yeah, so too many field goals are kind of hitting them right now. And then they just have six touchdowns in their last 18 red zone trips to this point of the season. And then, of course, you look at receiver Amari Cooper. He was actually on a radio show saying that he was frustrated with the offensive struggles, particularly when he's not getting the ball. So, again, that's kind of where I sense the Antonio Brown thing. And then this is kind of what uh, Brown, or excuse me, Amari Cooper had to say, saying, quote, I got to be honest, it actually does because when we're winning – the defense is playing a huge part. We're not really as explosive as we should be. We're not converting a lot of their turnovers into touchdowns. A lot of them are field goals. And I feel like I could be a huge part of that. So that's what frustrates me, end quote. And it, I guess what kind of gets to me there is just kind of like he's looking at himself like, oh, yeah, well, if you get me the ball, I'm the reason why we're not doing anything. Well, then you're kind of almost looking at it as it's just you on the field type of thing. That That's kind of like what I'm getting out of it. And I don't really know. I guess, I mean, again, it's just really one guy isn't going to do it all for you. But, again, he, that's what he thinks, and I, I I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think they do get the – you know, they're, they're getting the turnovers from the defense. The defense, again, is probably if – we, if we look back at this Cowboys season and you were to ask anyone, I'm willing to bet that any, everyone's going to say it's the defense that's keeping them in it this year because when you look at the offense – they're getting the ball back, but they're not doing anything with it. And when they do, it's a field goal. And field goals aren't going to win you games. You hear that saying way too often. Uh, when you have a really good defense like that, the offense need to, needs to pick up and get the you know get the yards that they need to get the first downs to get the touchdowns. And they're just not converting very well. You know, their drives are stalling out. And so, you know, it's – I don't know. And I guess – with Amari Cooper, something that could be kind of lean, like 
could be going towards this, you know, this situation that we're in right now with it. I think what could be leading, I think what kind of led the, you know, what kind of led to this is the whole Amari Cooper missing games because of COVID thing, you know, where he missed his last two games in November because of the COVID list. And then since his return, he's only had just 14 targets for nine, catching nine for a hundred yards and a touchdown. And then of course, over the season, he's recorded, let's say 70 plus is 70 plus is ish yards. And then just in two games had nine games of 70, 70 or more yards in each of the past two years. So again, just overall this season, 70 plus yards, two games. And then just over the past two years had nine games of 70 or more yards. And um, yeah, it's just kind of, just kind of been stalling. You know, it's just kind of stalled out a little bit, you know, for only one touchdown and then just only catching him one nine for a hundred yards and just 14 targets. I mean, you would expect that, you know, those would be leaning towards more touchdowns and not as many stall outs and potential only field potentially some of those are only most of those are probably only field goals and that's just yeah i don't know and then i guess when you want to look at it even deeper you could go as far as back to say Dak prescott since his calf injury the first six games of the season the cowboys were averaging 460.8 460.8 yards a game on 34 points and in the seven games since then it's only been 351.7 with 25 points a game. So you could even argue that, you know, it could be his calf too, could be somewhat hurt still. Um, But, you know, when you look at them being a playoff team this year, they obviously need him because I feel like this Cowboys team is one of those teams to where if they don't have Dak, you know, it's almost like that Ravens team. I know that the Ravens have been winning without Lamar Jackson, but you look at them and they're almost, they almost don't seem as deadly as, they would with Lamar Jackson or the energy isn't as high as it would be with Lamar Jackson. I feel like that's the same thing here with Dak Prescott and um, they just don't seem as dangerous. And so, and again, they really haven't since these past six, something six, seven odd games, whatever, whatever you want to base it on. Um, But yeah, that's definitely something that they need to pick up on and, you know, whatever the problem is, they need to fix it now. I really couldn't tell you what it is. It's always something with the Cowboys. I I have no idea. But, um, yeah, let me know what you guys think about this Amari Cooper and then just the Cowboys in general. What do you guys think they need to fix? Because I'm, I'm curious. And then we move on with this injury, uh, injuries and COVID right now. Uh, obviously, that's a big part of the season right now. Uh, up to this point has been COVID uh, over these past, I don't know, week and a half, couple weeks now. So, well, the first thing we're going to look at is the Buffalo Bills. Now, obviously, they've had some problems. So, they just recently placed Gabriel D- Davis with co- – I can't speak. Oh, my God. Oh, I cannot speak. Okay. Gabriel Davis is joining Cole Beasley on the reserve COVID list. Sean McDermott has announced already. Also, lineman Cody Ford is heading to that list as well per Sean McDermott. So with Gabriel Davis, with the placement of him going on the COVID list makes a return possible for Sunday's key game against the Patriots unlikely. It's still not impossible. They're both unvaccinated, so I don't know. Again, we just heard news recently. Actually, I brought this up on Fanbase's episode last night. Um about there was a kind of like a I mean it's probably something we already knew 
but it was recently just kind of confirmed by Alan Sills, the chief medical officer for the NFL. He goes on to talk about how the asymptomatic players, like when we talk about when we talk about these mini outbreaks or that kind of go out to that kind of go on throughout the clubs or just the people that are affecting the game, like causing, like causing, you know, mini outbreaks, I guess that's how you want to call it. It's not the asymptomatic players. So they've, they found that with all the testing, when they, even though an asymptomatic play, even though someone is placed on the reserve COVID list and they're asymptomatic, it's been basically confirmed that that those are the types of players that aren't spreading COVID. It's the players, which again, we kind of already knew this. It's the players that are having symptoms that are causing, you know, the virus to spread. And so that makes this interesting because if he's asymptomatic, but then tests negative twice within 24 hours, he could actually return. Gabriel Davis could. Now I don't know about Cole Beasley. I don't think with him, but that's what could potentially happen with Gabriel Davis. I mean, we look at today's Friday. So, yeah, he could come back by tomorrow. He would need to um, be activated by tomorrow. He'd have to be cleared and then activated sometime tomorrow. I believe there's also a deadline. So he would have to be activated um, and test negative twice. So it would have had to have been today and then probably tomorrow at some point. And they'd have to be able to clear him and then, you know, um, update him and put him into the 53-man roster for Sunday. Because if they don't have those two guys, you really just kind of leave it up to Diggs. Well, that's a lot easier to cover than and handle than, let's say, those three guys at the same time. I know they faced each other with all those guys in Week 13, but, of course, you saw the Blizzard game where both teams barely passed. I would say the Patriots barely did only three passes. The Bills did a little bit more because they just – kind of knew where to do with the ball. Um, but they threw a tad bit more, but it wasn't anything insane. But, yeah, so that's just kind of the thing with the Bills right now. And, oh, I guess they're going to talk about Cole Beasley. Yeah, so he landed on a Tuesday, and he's going to miss the game because of a 10-day isolation period. And, of course, we already talked about Gabriel Davis, who actually had somewhat of a game, probably the biggest impact back in Week 13 um, when they played last time. Actually, yeah, so there was 30 passes in its first in their first meeting back in week 13. Gabriel Davis again was the biggest impact for that receiving group. Saw four targets in that game with I believe a couple receptions. So yeah, and then we move on to the actual injuries slash COVID again. The Bears for the rest of the team or the rest of the league. Bears are activating defensive tackle Bilal Nichols from the reserve COVID list. So a lot of these teams are kind of getting their guys back. Bengals placed receiver Mike Thomas on the reserve COVID list. Lions, Dan Campbell, very unlikely that Jared Goff plays Sunday. Goff was placed on the reserve COVID list Monday. Jaguars pass rusher Josh Allen, who's been very good this season, tested positive for COVID and will be placed on the reserve mm-hmm. list. Ian Rappaport of NFL Network did report on that. Jags later placed Josh Allen, receiver LaVisca Chenault, and lineman Ben Barch on the list as well. Move on to the Chiefs, activating tight end Blake Bell from the reserve COVID list. Rams activated Tyler Higbee and defensive back Jordan Fuller from the reserve. That's Those are big names to have back for your team. Also designated running back Buddy Howell for the return 
excuse me, for return from the injured reserve. Vikings are placing center Mason Cole with an elbow injury on injured reserve. Jets are activating cornerback Justin Hardy and receiver Jeff Smith, reserve COVID list. Steelers activated defensive tackle Montrevious Adams. Washington football team activated quarterback Kyle Allen, safety Cameron Curl, linebacker Milo Milo Eifler, and cornerback Kendall Fuller from the reserve COVID list. And um, that's going to do it for our injury report. It's not as long as it was before. I will say that, actually. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's – I know a couple, I think a couple weeks ago it was, like, completely, like, just a couple pages full of just injuries and COVID. Um, I will say, though, at this point in the season, when you look at all of the uh, COVID, I guess, positives or close contacts, whatever – I really don't think at this point in the season, I mean, obviously they could, but I really don't think they're going to result to, you know, canceling or they've rescheduled, but I really don't think it's going to come down to canceling any games. I think majority of the NFL, well, not majority of the NFL, I'd say a good portion of it is vaccinated. So, I mean, that should help hopefully push that kind of push it, that narrative of, no cancellations. I hope that that doesn't happen. Obviously, it could, like I said, but hopefully it does not come to that because that could ruin um, a really good playoff. You know, with how I'm picturing the playoffs to go in my head right now, it could easily get derailed with COVID. So I really hope that doesn't happen. Um, again, we didn't see fans last year. So uh, it would be really, really nice to see full attendance for every playoff game this year because that was just a big part of last year missing it. Um, yeah, you know, they're a big part of the game. So especially for TV people. And then, yeah, we got some sad news today. Washington defensive back DeShazor Everett has been involved in a fatal crash. He was taken to a hospital. So this is kind of like the Henry Ruggs situation um, where someone was actually killed again uh, Thursday night, last night. Uh, I don't know how to say this county. Okay. Some county sheriff office. Okay. So the passenger in the car Everett was driving was identified as Olivia Peters. She died in a local hospital from her injuries, suffered in the car crash. Everett was the driver of a 2010 Nissan GTR. Uh, people always go fast in those. At 9.15 p.m., took a left. The vehicle took a left, left the right side of the roadway, stuck. Uh, struck several trees and rolled over, taken to the hospital where he's being treated for serious but non-life-threatening injuries. Ooh, well, prayers up to him and, of course, the woman's family. That's sad. Deshazor Everett, 29 years old, seventh season in the league at this point with the Washington football team, has just played in all 14 games this year, mostly in special teams for that Washington team, who's also hoping to make a playoff run once again. Obviously, they lost wildcard weekend last year to the Tampa Bay Bucks as they went on, of course, to win the Super Bowl, as we all know, to the Chiefs. But, yeah, so that is very, very sad to hear. Um, yeah. And then, again, some more injuries. What can you expect? COVID's been, COVID's been a problem this year. I know Tampa Bay um, – excuse me, Tom Brady, not Tampa Bay, Tom Brady – in his press conference actually kind of um, addressed 
the receiver problem with losing Godwin and Evans uh, at the same time, and also Leonard Fournette as well. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's it, it, you know they're going to get Antonio Brown back because of of course coming off of that suspension, three game suspension from his COVID nineteen card situation that ended up happening. Everyone kind of you know the whole narrative after that was well, you know the headlines kind of came out about Bruce Arians saying that if he makes one mistake, he's gone. Uh, but with the point that the Bucks are in right now, I think if you would still have Evans and Godwin and we're still, for the most part, healthy, I would say they'd probably get rid of Brown. But I think it's more or less just the fact that they need him. Uh, maybe that's something they'll address again in the offseason when, you know, they kind of can, you know, because I think he's, what is he playing on a one year right now? I think Antonio Brown is. I think he came back on a one year because he was the last guy that they brought back from the Super Bowl team. I'm pretty sure he's just playing on a one year. Let's look at his contract real fast. Because if that's the case and he is, then yeah, that might be something that they're going to look at potentially facing again in the offseason with what they're going to do with him. Do they bring him back? Are they going to let him go? Are they just going to keep him right now because they need him? You know, because with him coming back, he's going to be their primary guy um, on that offense. But yeah, so it was a one-year contract with the Bucks and back in October of 2020. And I think he was then, yeah, re-signed to a one-year again, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, that might be something to look at again. Don't I wouldn't be very shocked at all if the offseason comes and there's another headline of the Buccaneers and what they're going to do with Brown because obviously right now they do need him. And if they were completely healthy for the most part, obviously at this point in the season, no one's fully healthy. But if the Bucks were for the most part, I would probably venture to say that they probably would have got rid of him um, and kept their promise. But, you know, again, with really needing him and, you know, with everything that he has done recently, you can't take away from the fact that he's still a solid player. And uh, he can still do a lot for that team, as we, of course, we've been seeing. And, yeah, so it'll be interesting when the offseason comes, you know, what they do with them. So that is kind of that. But let's kind of move in for what else we were going to talk about with this Bucks team. Of course, I was previously talking about Leonard Fournette. Well, him, of course, Leonard Fournette himself and Levante David have now both been placed on the reserve, uh, injured reserve list. So, yeah, Leonard Fournette has now officially been done for the rest of the regular season. As, of course, you guys know, the Bucks on Thursday placed starting running back as well as linebacker Levante David on the reserve. The two will – the oh, God, I can't speak. Keep having tongue twisters. The two, com, the two guys combined will miss the last three games but will be eligible to return for the start of the playoffs if they're not serious enough injuries at that point. Leonard Fournette and Levante David both went down – Back in week 15 to the Saints, of course, that's when, you know, Brady was trying to make that little comeback, if there even was one at all. If it was 9-0 to zero at that point uh, with, like, a minute left. It was kind of pretty hard, but it was doable. Um, but, of course, yeah, losing all those guys didn't help. Leonard Fournette's been very good this season. Of course, he went down with the hamstring injury, and then he was spotted on crutches by the end of the night. Tampa Bay will be looking towards Ronald Jones now who's kind of been limited all year because, you know, maybe injury and then also Leonard Fournette taking over. Leonard Fournette has 
tallied 171 more touches than Jones in 21 and was the midst of his most efficient season, scoring 10 touchdowns after Jones's 71 carries. No other book, no other Bucks have taken back more than 11 attempts. So yeah, maybe you know I think Ronald Jones also dealt with some injury. I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken. And then of course it's Ronald, you know Leonard Fournette kind of coming in and taking over. I know Ronald Jones was the top man at one point, but then since Fournette they just kind of switched because um, that's just kind of what fits better for that offense. And um, yeah, so I really don't know where they sit at this point. I, I would say that you know like I said on Fanbase last night is. However far the Bucks get to, you know, from my knowledge for this season's playoffs kind of really depends on their injury status going into this, going into this postseason because, you know, again, they could, they could come back and, you know, just before wildcard weekend uh, and then make that return. So yeah, they could really make, they could really booster up that offense and defense if those guys can come back in time. Obviously, that would be that would be much needed for that team. And again, yeah, I just think I really can't say how far they would go right now because it really just depends on the injuries and how far they, you know, who they end up, who they all end up having going into the reg- or end of the regular season, going into the playoffs. Who they all have will depend on how far they go. To me. If they end up missing out on all these guys, I, I don't know how far they get. But, again, it's still Tom Brady, so who really knows. But anyway, guys, let's take a break real fast. When we come back, we will finish out the rest of the uh, rest of the headlines, and then we'll kind of get into the over-under for Week 16 of this regular season. So, yeah, we'll, we will be back. All right, guys, welcome back from the break. So we just got done talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and kind of their problem right now. Um, going into the final couple games of the regular season, uh, going into the playoffs as well. Of course, as you guys know, we just talked about them losing Levante David and Leonard Fournette, linebacker and running back. Uh, obviously, two big, you know, two big names for that team, and of course, they're going to lose them. So for the next couple games, but could come back for the regular season or for at the end of the regular season for the playoffs. Uh, so yeah, it should be interesting makes it real interesting, especially knowing that how tight of a race this is in both conferences. So it really, really is uh, something to watch out for. And then kind of going into our next thing here is going to be huge for the LA Rams as they're getting back running back Cam Akers from the injured reserve after five months after an Achilles injury that he had, um, I believe before the season it was, or early on in the season. I know, I think it was... I think it was actually post or regular. No, I think it was off season when it happened. But yeah, so running back Cam Akers has a chance to come back for this LA Rams team after suffering a possible season-ending injury at the time that we're looking at Achilles injury. It was the headlines were possible season-ending, and uh, now he has a potential chance to come back from the injured reserve. The Rams have announced Thursday about this. Coming at an interesting time, of course, acquiring Sony Michelle from the Patriots and then getting Daryl Henderson to fit in that backfield, who's been, I would say, a pretty pretty solid player for that team. Um, definitely making moves and you know getting the um, production that I would say they probably need. 
And of course, Sony Michelle, I think, makes a good fit on that team as well. But, you know, where this leaves Cam Akers, because all of a sudden now, if you get Cam Akers back, and all of a sudden you got a really good running back room in Akers, Michelle, and Henderson. So that would, those, that's a really good, you know, um, duo to have to be able to kind of shift around and a couple have, you know, have a good uh, running back set for your playbook. And of course, that makes it easier to kind of call your plays and, uh, I would say you probably go into it a little bit more confident with the running game. But yeah, this Rams team, of course, they're sitting at 10 and 4, beat the Seahawks 20 to 10 this past game. And uh, again, just a really, really tight conference in both sides of the, you know, both sides of the field, AFC, NFC, both real tight races going down the stretch here. And the Rams are getting acres at a good time. Um, they've definitely been missing him. But I think. You know, trading for Sony Michelle, I think that, you know, he's kind of filled that hole pretty pretty good. Uh, I'd say that they've been in some pretty good hands with him. And, of course, Dale Henderson, of course, like I said, kind of shifting both of them around to kind of make it work. And and then you lose Cooper Cup, well, then you get – or, excuse me, you get you lose Robert Woods and you get Oriel Beckham. And then, of course, you have Cooper Cup, who's just been going off this season. Um you know, he's been highly productive this year, and I wouldn't expect anything different because that's just kind of what he's been these past couple of years. I would say last season was probably a really big buildup to this season, and uh, now it's, he's just completely unleashed, and he's going completely. I, I feel bad for anyone who has to face anyone that has Cooper Cup in in fantasy because he's been going, completely going off. I think I, even in my league, I think I faced someone that completely destroyed me with Cooper Cup alone with like 30 points, 30, almost 40 points, one of the games. And uh, yeah, I got destroyed by him alone. So he's, he's been really, really good, really, really solid player uh, for Matthew Stafford. And uh, one of their biggest targets. And then kind of going into our last headline here before over under for this week is with the Vikings placing, I don't know if I talked about this or not last time, uh, but with Delvin Cook being placed on the reserve COVID list, running back out versus the Rams. So he's been kind of in and out this season, I would say Delvin Cook has. And, of course, he's going back down again, reserve COVID list, going back on it. We're not going back on it, but going on it. They've announced it on Thursday, tested positive for COVID. Ian Rappaport has reported on this. We'll be missing Sunday's game against the 10-4 LA Rams. Tom Pelosero is reporting that he is unvaccinated as well, so... Uh, yeah, I don't know if he has enough time to, because he would have to be, I don't know. I think he's got to have some sort of deadline on game days. I don't, that's really close. I don't think he'd be able to play. Uh, I don't know, but he will be sidelined. Okay. That's what he'll be sidelined the 10 days due to his positive test as an unvaccinated individual. Oh, unvaccinated. I read that wrong. My bad. He's unvaccinated. I said he's vaccinated. Unvaccinated player will be missing the 10 days because of the positive test. We'll have a chance to play Minnesota in week 17 versus the Green Bay Packers, which would be a huge game. And, um, yeah, they've had to get, again, like I've kind of already talked about, they had to get used to having, without having Delvin Cook this season, they've kind of had to rely without him. And, um, of course, he had that shoulder dislocation and torn labrum and the Vikings week 12 loss to San Francisco, then was able to rehab and came back in week 14, rushing for 205 yards, two touchdowns on 27 carries and a win over the Steelers. And I've got to say, when you have, you know, problems like this, where you've had those two major things, and of course now you got COVID, 
you know, a lot of guys don't tend to come back and play great, you know, coming off of COVID the next game just because of how much it takes a toll on you. So, you know, we'll kind of see what he comes in comes in like and potentially make a playoff push. I I don't know. Again, they're kind of in the mix too, I think. So, you know, they he could they could potentially be seeing him, you know, at that point too. But uh carrying the ball on Monday night, he was twenty eight carried it for twenty eight times on eighty nine yards and a seventeen to nine win over the Bears to help Minnesota improve to seven and seven. There's now three games left to play. Vikings need to finish strong here to potentially reach the postseason. And again, they could be getting Delvin Cook back at that point as well. But they'll have to be turning back to Alexander Madison again to fill Cook's shoes on Sunday, which I think, again, they've kind of done a couple times this season. So that isn't anything new to him. And, yeah, that'll kind of finish out our, I guess, headlines for the week. Let's get into over-under segment for week 16 of the regular season as we kind of come down to the finisher. So Christmas Day tomorrow, Saturday, December 25th, we have two games and a doubleheader on Christmas Day. It is the Browns at Packers and then the Cardinals at Colts. So let's kind of go in. I'll give my take, and uh, we'll kind of go from there and then head into the Sunday games. So for the Browns at Packers, the Browns are going going into this with a 20.9 point per game. And the Packers are coming in at 25.6, a little bit more than the Browns. Not too much, though. So let's go into this. Okay, so the Browns, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, like the Cowboys are one of those teams where they first half of the season, they were playing really, really hot. It was just like, who can really stop them? Now it's kind of like, okay, they kind of fell off a little bit, kind of stalling. Um, Again, kind of production as well, but then it's also – the factor of Baker Mayfield, who was completely banged up earlier. Is he 100%? Probably not still. Um, probably a little bit better than he was back, you know, let's say back in week 13, 14. I'd probably in better health now than he was. But I probably, you know, and also Aaron Rodgers, he's not either. He's got that broken toe. But listen, I, I don't think the Packers really have to worry too much in this, or excuse me. Yeah, I really don't think the Packers have to worry too much in this game, I think. I mean, the Bucks are kind of up there too. You know, they're kind of threatening for that what that number one seed. Um, so I guess it is a win that the Packers definitely still need. Although that they clinched their division already and a playoff spot, but they still can't let their foot off the gas. It's still way just way too close. Ideally, finishing out would be big. Obviously, they need they could use that. You know, that could help solidify them as the one seed. You know, as long as they keep winning out, they're not going to lose that spot. So, yeah, the Browns and Packers, Browns coming to it 20.9 points a game, Packers 25.6. Listen, I'm going to go Green Bay here. I mm, I could see this going into the 30s. I don't know about the Browns. I, I know that there's also talk about Miles Garrett missing this game too, uh, I think because of COVID-related problems as well. So if that's the case, I, I think either way I still take Green Bay here. Uh, they got a really, really good defense. They have a solid offense. Ah, uh, geez, I'm gonna go. See, I'm gonna go Green Bay here. I, I, I really don't see the Browns taking this. I think you have to look at the Browns as a potential sleeper team, kind of, you know, coming up late if they can beat this Packer team. Um, but I, I just, I really don't see it happening. I think the Packers are just too tough to beat right now. They're too tough to handle. They got a lot of weapons, good defense. 
course, Aaron Rodgers, even with a broken toe, still playing really, really tough. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go over 20 points a game for the Packers or over 25.6 points a game for the Packers. I'm going to go ah, – I'm going to give them 34. And, um, yeah, actually, I'm still going to go over. I'm going to go 31 for the Packers, and I'm going to go 20 – ooh. So I'm going to go 31 Packers over 25. Browns are coming to this at 20.9. Uh, I'm going to go 31 – to oh 31 20 mm. I'm gonna go 31 17 Packers take this game and then going into the next game Colts at Cardinals Cardinal Colts come to this game with 28.4 points a game Cardinals coming in at 27 obviously Colts coming off of that win against the Patriots they need to keep winning to kind of keep it alive Cardinals, they need a win just to kind of stay, just to kind of keep pressure on the top teams, uh, you know, to stay in the mix for that top spot as well as, you know, of course, they're up there for the mix of the number one seed with a tight race. Again, both conferences we keep talking about. Um, this is a really big game for multiple reasons. It's, again, big for their own implications on the playoffs, but it's also big because if the Cardinals can beat the Colts, then, of course, that kind of keeps them off of New England and it kind of just makes it easier. Not easier, but kind of makes it kind of gives a little bit more breathing room um, as, of course, they would drop again. So I might have a little bit bias going into this, but I think the Cardinals, I really don't think you worry after that Lions loss. I think that was just one of those games where it's like it's just like a weird loss that really doesn't mean too much. Uh, I don't think they worry too much here. I think they still have a really solid defense. Of course, their offense has been great. They get Kyler Murray back. Uh, of course, he's missed the past couple. Played last weekend, though. But before that, missed the last couple games. And, uh, yeah, so I think it'll be tight. Um, they're both playing very, very great. And I think they're, you know, high scoring as well. I don't know how high scoring this game gets. Ooh. Okay, because, yeah, they're both up there in points a game. Yeah, Cardinals are just a tad bit lower, but not too much. I think when you look at just the way that they both are going to play against each other, I don't think that's going to matter at all. Um, Well, whenever you see a lot of teams that, you know, kind of, you know, are kind of equal right now as far as stats and just playing and everything, I would say that, you know, a lot of people would say it's going to be low scoring just because it's going to be a defensive battle. But I think this is going to be a shootout between Kyler Murray and Carson Wentz. I think it's also just going to be, you know, the, the running game is going to be a big thing to watch too. I think if Jonathan Taylor gets too much, you know, if he becomes too much of a problem, I think, you know, they're going to give the Cardinals a tough time because, you know, like we saw with the Patriots game, Jonathan Taylor is pretty much doing it all by himself. And, you know, he could easily do that once again against this Cardinals team. So I think Jonathan Taylor is going to play a big part in this game. It really just kind of depends on what he does, you know, to kind of um, – for the outcome of this game, I think if he's too big of a problem, the Colts are probably going to take it. But I think for the sake of the Patriots situation and just what I would rather see, um, I, I got to go Cardinals here. I – I think they barely sneak by. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think it's going to be high scoring as well. I'm going to go over 27 for the Cardinals at 34 
to the Colts. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 34-30 Cardinals. I think they both go over their averages. I think that the Cardinals just kind of win um off of maybe a first down that they need to get, and then that's just kind of how they win it. It's gonna be close, but that's what I would rather see, but you know, anything could happen, so I don't really know. And let's kind of get into our Sunday matchups here. Our first game for Sunday will be the Lions at Falcons. Lions come into this game at 17.4 points a game. Falcons coming at 18.4. Listen, I know they had that win against the – the Lions had that win against the Cardinals. Again, I really don't think that means much. Um, but I know that the Lions can probably play – what's the Falcons looking like right now? Hold on. I need to see – Okay, they're coming into this with six and eight. Yeah, they could be. I mean, they could probably sneak into the wild card too. I guess they're they're up there as well. Uh, yeah, they would definitely need this win. Hmm. For whatever reason, I find this game potentially being close. I mean, the Falcons aren't that hot of a team, but then again, you also have Kyle Pitts to worry about. Then, of course, you have Cordell Patterson who kind of can do a lot of different things. And you still have Matt Ryan over there. Of course, Jared Goff and that Lions team hasn't been too hot either. You know, it really kind of depends on that team. You don't really know what you're going to get out of them. Of course, after what we saw out of that, you know, out of that um, Cardinals game, really don't know what we're going to see. You could see a multitude of things. You could see a really bad team. You could see a really good team. I think the Falcons sneak out with the win, though. Um, I'm going to go 24 so I'm going to go over 18 for the Falcons at 24. And I think for the Lions, I'm going to keep them at 17. I'm going to go 24-17. Falcons win this. For whatever reason, I think it'll be within a touchdown. And then in the next game, Giants-Eagles. Giants come to it with 17 a game. Eagles at 26, even for both teams. Uh, I think the Eagles are probably just the better team here. I think Jalen Hurts is definitely heating up a little bit. And then the Giants just aren't that, you know, they're not that good at all. I mean, they just, they can't ever really seem to figure it out. Season after season, it seems to be the same thing every year. Uh, they just, they can't really do much. And I, it kind of shows with 17 points a game, you know, at this point in the year. So, yeah, I think the Eagles are the better team. Yeah, I'm going to keep the Eagles actually at 26. And I'm going to go 26-14 Eagles win this. I I don't know. I, I've I, I don't know. I, I don't think the Giants have it in them to win. I, I mean, they don't, especially because they're going to not have Daniel Jones either. His neck injury, once again, they're going to be out without him. So, yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm going to keep them both where they're at, 26 to 17. Um, Jaguars at Jets. This should be interesting. Jaguars come into this at 14 a game. Jets 17.9. Jets are probably the better team, I think, on paper. Um. I think it'll still be close uh, just because they're both bad. Um, but, yeah, I, I, Jets are coming into it 17.9 a game. Jags 14. I'm going to go hmm, – I'm going to go over 17. I'm going to go 25 for the Jets, and I'm going to go over 14 for the Jags at 17. I'm going to go 25-17. Jets win this game. Bucks at Panthers, points per game. Bucks come to it almost 30 points a game. Panthers at almost 20. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Bucks need this game as well, uh, to, of course, to keep up with the Packers and then, of course, the Cardinals as well. well. Those are the top three teams 
Also, you look at Dallas as well. But I would say for the league leaders, um, division leaders, the, the Bucks need this game. I, I, I think that they're just the better team, of course, they're with their injuries. But I think the Panthers just you, – you never really can tell what you're going to get out of the Panthers. You could, you know – you could you could see them being a team where they could play a good game, but then you know they have a lot of times where they don't. And I think the Bucks are just a better team overall. Um, mm, I could see this game going up in the 30s. I, I don't know what their situation looks like though. Do they get their guys back? That's tough. Mm, yeah, I'm gonna go over 29 for the Bucks. I'm gonna go 31 for the Bucks, and I'm gonna go 21 for the Panthers. 31, 21 Bucks win this game. I think, I I think it really truly just depends though on on the injuries, I, injuries, and then just with how close these divisions are, conferences alone, that just makes it so much more interesting and puts so much more at stake for each and every game. I think you know no one really has a true a true um, lock on it yet, unless you're looking at the Packers, who basically do. They're like the one team that's basically got some sort of lock on their on their season right now. Next game we look at is the Chargers and Texans. Chargers are coming to it with 27 a game. Texans at 14, almost 15 a game. The Texans, man, this the season, of course, they've been playing. Um, oh, who is their guy? They've been playing. Uh, um, they've been playing that Mills guy at quarterback. I can't. Why can I not think of his name? Why am I not? Why can't Davis Mills? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, Davis Mills. Yeah, Davis Mills in at quarterback. Of course, the Deshaun Watson situation. Um, you know, this kind of just completely fell out. To be honest, they're just not a team really anymore. They're kind of just they're kind of just there. I mean, they're kind of just playing. They don't really they're not posing too much of a threat though. I think the Chargers are kind of coming back to that form that we that we're used to seeing. They kind of were in a slug sluggish this season. And, uh, yeah, they're kind of coming back up. Of course, Justin Herbert's been completely just dominating. He's, you know, of course, playing really well like he has been. Uh, definitely making a point of, you know, being up there with the top quarterbacks in this league. And I think we kind of see that on display this game as I think that they go up in the 30s. I'm going to go over 27 for the Chargers at 34 this game. And I'm going to go uh, – I'm going to keep the Texans right there. I'm going to go 34-14. Chargers win this game, I think, with relative ease. I don't think it'll be tough. Bills at Patriots. Bills come into this game 28 points a game. Patriots 26.2. They kind of dipped a little bit because of their past two games. This There's a lot riding on this one. Of course, the Patriots need the win, you know, to kind of keep up there with the Chiefs, you know, hoping that the Chiefs lose too because if the Patriots win, Chiefs lose. Patriots get that number one seed back. Of course, right now they're sitting at the third seed with the Titans win last night. Uh, they could potentially go from third to first, though, like I just said, uh, with the win. And then, of course, the Chiefs loss. And then not only that, but in the AFC East as a whole, just to be able to go back up two games on the Bills. And they can also clinch the AFC East title this Sunday with a Dolphins loss, actually. And, a and a and um, of course, beating the of course beating the Bills, too. So, and the reason why... You know, this Saints game, like I was talking about on Fanbase last night, is so significant is because, well, I guess I just heard that they signed Blake Bortles to be the backup to Ian Book, their fourth-round guy that they just picked up. 
Um, yeah, they Saints going to be a Saints fan this week. You know, they need to win against this Dolphin team, who is actually sitting at seven and seven. Also, could sneak into the playoffs as well, actually. Um, so yeah, both of them are kind of playing for something this year, for something this week. You know, they're both kind of riding on the playoffs. Uh, kind of on the outside looking in right now. Uh, they're not completely guaranteed yet, but of course, wins do help. So they're going to play each other real hard. Um, but yeah, there's again a really a lot riding on that one. So like there was back in week 13. I think this game kind of means a little bit more, just kind of where both teams sit. But yeah, it's going to be tough. On uh, their next game is going to be the Rams at the Vikings. Rams come to it with 27.6 points a game. Vikings coming in at 25.8. Again, both teams are just solid, you know, solid teams that you can make the case for for the playoffs. Um, Vikings are kind of a team that you could be looking at. Again, though, I talked about Delvin Cook. He's going to be out this game once again. And then the Rams are potentially – they might miss out on K-Makers this game. They're probably going to get them back next week, though. I don't think it'll be this one at all. But the Rams are looking really, really solid. I, I think that they kind of come away with this game. I think that just the Rams are too overpowering. I think I think just overall they're the way better team. But it's going to be in Minnesota. And the Vikings, they know they have something to play for this year. So that's going to be a tough crowd to play, to play uh, in front of. And they're just going to have to kind of go in there and face it. So, again, the Rams 27.6, Vikings 25.8. Uh, I'm going to go over for the Rams at 30, and I'm going to go twenty. I'm gonna go under 25 for the Vikings at 24. So I'm going to go 30 to 24. Rams win this game. I think it'll be tough, but, you know, it's, I don't know. They both have something to play for, so they're going to – there's a reason to fight. Um, next game here is going to be the Ravens and Bengals. Ravens 23.9, Bengals 26.4. Bengals are one of those teams that you got to watch out for as well. Of course, they've kind of dipped a little bit, but they're still a team to watch out for. And the Ravens, they're a team, again, that's also threatening. I know I talked about with them, though, that they're not as threatening as they seem to be. Of course, Lamar Jackson is out once again this game. Tyler Huntley will be the replacement and the starter for the second straight week in this one, so that could play a difference. I'm actually feeling like spoiler this week. I think it would be the Ravens favored to win this game just based on the two teams as a whole. Um, I'm going to play spoiler here. I'm going to go Bengals. I think the Bengals have a really tough crowd to play. You know, I think the Ravens are going to have a really tough crowd to play in front of. I think that's going to be a big part of it. Something that we were missing big last year coming down the stretch of the season. Um yeah, I think I, I'm going to go spoiler here. I, I don't think it'll be by much, but I, I'm going to go 27 for the Bengals to the Saints, or excuse me, Ravens 24. I'm going to go 27-24, Bengals win it. And I'm actually going to go even on a hotter take and say that it's because of a game-winning field goal. So I think they're going to be tied at 24. And I think it's going to come down to a kick. I think it's going to come down to a field goal, and the Bengals win it 27-24. Going down to the next game is going to be the Bears and Seahawks. Points per game. Bears come into this at 17.1. Seahawks 20.1. Seahawks don't really have much to play for anymore. Of course, they could possibly be playing spoiler. I know I've talked about Matt Nagy already. I don't think he's the coach going into next season. I think he gets I think he gets fired after this year in the um in the um in the offseason. I think he gets fired. I, I really don't think he's done that great of a job. I think he's just a bad coach, doesn't know how to really play his team, uh, doesn't really know how to coach it. And I just think 
you know, they're kind of an up and down team as well. But I think the Seahawks are still probably just the overall better team here. I, I don't know what type of Russell Wilson we see this game. That's tough because, of course, like I talked about in fan base, but you guys have to listen to the episode. But basically, I overall just kind of talked about how I think it's that finger still. I think it's still bothering him. And with the way that he throws, his pinky is really involved in his throwing motion with the way he throws that ball. And so there, there's a lot, you know, riding on his on his pinky to really get those throws off. And it really depends on the type of Wilson we see. I, I really don't know. I still think the Seahawks win this game, though. I, I don't see a way. The Seahawks don't have anything to play for. I just think that they're the better team still, despite their 4-9 season. Um, but, yeah, I think they win this game. I, I'm going to go 26 for the Seahawks to 17 to the Bears. I'm going to keep the Bears at 17. I'm going to go 26 for the Seahawks. 26-17, they win this game. Next game here is Broncos and Raiders. Points per game for the Broncos is 20.4, Raiders 21.4. Again, the Raiders are another one of those teams that, you know, they kind of were really, really hot. Then they kind of just started to dip a little bit. And, of course, losing Henry Ruggs when they did was a big thing. He was a big part of that offense. Uh, of course, losing him, well, being forced to lose him was a, a really big, uh, really big play in that. And that's probably, I would say, what you blame this whole kind of um, dipping in their offense, if you will, from. I think it, I think it is because of that. And uh, for that reason, I, I'm still going, I still have faith for the for this Broncos team. Of course, they still have a really good chance at making the playoffs. And I'm going to kind of keep that alive here. I, I'm going to go 27 for the Broncos to 24 to 20 against the Raiders, actually. 27-20, Broncos win this game. Steelers at Chiefs, another big game. Steelers coming to this with 20.8 points a game. Chiefs, 27.5, almost 28 points a game. This is another big game. Chiefs, of course, if they lose, New England wins, they get the top spot. And then, of course, the Steelers just needed to kind of stay alive. They're kind of on the brink right now. I would say probably one more loss. And they're probably just about done, depending on other wins and losses that may or may not happen. Other scenarios will play into that, of course. But, yeah, I think the Chiefs need – I think both teams really honest, honestly need to win this game. I wouldn't say it's one over the other. The Steelers probably more than the Chiefs, just given each team's kind of situation at this point. Um. I think the expected team is probably is obviously going to be the Chiefs. The Steelers just are so they're just so unpredictable this season. They could have a really good game or they could have a really bad game. And I think overall this season it's been really really bad. It's just kind of been a stalwart stall stalling type of offense. They just really kind of stall out, and then you know they just they really just can't seem to keep it going all the time. And um. I think the expectation is the Chiefs win this game. I think for that reason, I'm going to go Chiefs, but I would like the Steelers to win. But I'm going to have to go Chiefs here. I'm probably going to go 34 for the Chiefs to 28 to the Steelers, I think. Or no, 30-20, no. I'm going to go 34 Chiefs to the Steelers 27. I, I just think, I think realistically the Chiefs are going to win, but I would love the Steelers to win it. I would love to be wrong this game. Uh, let's see here. Do I need to take another break? Yeah, let's uh, shoot. Let's take another quick break. And when we return, we will finish out over under and we will close out the episode. 
All right, guys, welcome back from the break once again. So we just got done talking about the Steelers and Chiefs. Obviously, a lot riding on those two teams. Like I was talking about, they both need the win. I would say it's not one over the other, but if it was one team over the other, I'd have to say it's Steelers that probably need the win the most. Um, but, yeah, so let's move on to the next game. It's going to be Washington and Dallas. Washington comes into us at 20.2 points a game. Cowboys 28.6. As I previously mentioned about the Cowboys, their offensive struggles, despite almost 30 points a game, uh, they do have offensive struggles. They, they I, Like I talked about already earlier in the episode, you know, they just – it's been so tough for them to get those first downs, you know, and then when they do get the ball back from that defense, that's super solid for them this year. I think if they do end up getting a pretty good spot in the playoffs, I think we do have a lot. I think the Cowboys have a lot to thank the defense for this whole season. I would say that's probably been their identity has been defense. And uh, Trayvon Diggs, of course, is a big reason for that as well. Um and, yeah, I guess it kind of just depends on the type of offensive game we see from this Cowboys team. Of course, Washington, a team kind of looking, kind of on the outside looking in. They're riding a win streak right now. They're going to have Taylor Heineke in this game. Wait, is he still on COVID or did he come back? Um, let's see here. I was about to say it's Taylor Heineke, but I think he might still be on COVID I'm, unless he got activated. I Hold up. Let's see here. Kind of, I was going to say Taylor Heineke's been pretty solid for them this year. I'd say he's – He's been, you know, with Ryan Fitzpatrick since he's been out. Taylor Heineke, I think he's really kind of stepped up. And, you know, he's – okay, yeah, he did clear COVID protocols today, three hours ago from the NFL. I will make sure to put that in the episode because I used it. So, yeah, Taylor Heineke is clear to play this game. Uh, that makes a big difference as well because he's been the guy that's been kind of behind this stretch here of wins. And they're going to play this tough because they need the win. They're Again, they're kind of on the outside looking in here, wild card spot, kind of the same situation they were in last year. Um, but, yeah, so I think for that reason, I'm a big believer in this Washington team. I think that, you know, they're just playing super, super good, and I think that it's just been impressive without Chase Young, and they've just been able to win. But I think it's going to be a tough game. This Cowboys team isn't no easy task either. I think just despite their problems, they're still going to be a tough game. And it's going to be a really good defensive battle, I feel like. Uh, maybe even a shootout. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think realistic scoring here, I'm I'm going to go. Obviously, I already said Washington wins. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to think of a score that I would see this game being as. Because I could see this going up in the 20s. I honestly could see this being a 20-some-odd game, 20-point game. I'm going to go 26 for Washington, so I'm going to go over 20 with what that 26 for Washington to Cowboys at 22. I think they, they kind of are lower than that 28, almost 30 points. I just think that, you know, Washington kind of is the better team by the end of it. Uh, I think they just kind of come in with a better game plan. So, yeah, 26-22, Washington wins. And then, of course, the Dolphins-Saints game I was talking about. Dolphins, 20.4 20 points a game. Saints, 22.4. They just signed – the Saints just signed Blake Bortles uh, to back up Ian Book for this game. Obviously, the Dolphins also need the win because they could be looking the plus. Like I said, a lot of these games are just writing on playoff implications. You know, some of the teams are on the outside looking in. Some of the teams are already in but need to keep winning to guarantee their spots. And so there's still just a lot of a lot of playoff implicating implicating games here, and these outcomes after week 16 this week 
we'll probably get a little bit more clear as to who's going to be where and what teams are going to be out. So I think we're going to have a lot of teams that might be out of the playoffs this, or might be out of playoff contention by the end of this week, uh, or at least pretty close to it. So, yeah, I think for the just the, the sake of what the Patriots need, I think either way, I think the Saints kind of win this game. I think they did this, this whole season. They've kind of just won their games by just playing well, having people step up where they need to. And I think that's just kind of been the, the storyline to this season for them. I think, I think it'll still be very, very tough for them just because again, they're one of those teams that were really, really hot and now they've kind of slipped off a bit too. So, you know, the saints are again, another one of those teams. Uh, but yeah, I think the Saints win this game. I don't think it'll be by much. Uh, maybe I don't know. I'm gonna go 25 for the Saints though, to the Dolphins 17. I'm gonna go 20. What I say, just 25 to 17, 24 17. I don't know what I just said. Let's say 25 17. Saints win this game. But um, yeah. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for this episode of the Full Quitlet Sports Show. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you guys for tuning in. Merry Christmas to you guys and um, this Christmas Eve special. Happy to bring it to you. Sorry I didn't record this whole week. Uh, the one episode the whole week. Uh, I do apologize about that. I kind of had just kind of a lot going on this week that I had to kind of clear up. But uh, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys could leave a rating review of the show wherever you get your podcasts and just kind of share it around, that would be much appreciated. Again, just kind of helps let me know if you guys enjoy it, uh, the content, and kind of just, you know, kind of helps push out the episodes to other people. So yeah, I hope you guys have a great holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you all. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. And uh, yeah, goodbye.